Good morning, everyone, and uh, I just want to say thank you for inviting us into your space this morning. Wherever you find yourself, maybe it's at home, uh, maybe it's in the car, maybe it's at the cottage, I don't know, wherever you find yourself, we're just so grateful that you've invited us to be a part of your day, and I hope that today you'll be encouraged. And uh, we are actually beginning, as Jeff mentioned, a new series called Extraordinary, or Extraordinary, I don't know, however you want to say it, but over the course of these next several weeks, we're going to be looking and highlighting people from the Bible, ordinary men and women who are used in extraordinary ways. And I hope that you'll be encouraged and challenged by that, and maybe you yourself will be able to take some next steps in your faith journey. So this morning, I want to actually introduce you to a character by the name of Lydia, and her story is actually found in Acts chapter 16. So I'm thinking about the families out there. So kids, if, uh, if you're watching, I'd encourage you to go get your Bible, your adventure Bible, and grab it and turn to Acts chapter 16. We're going to actually read the story of Lydia together. And so you might want to do that right now. But I just want to share with you uh, some reasons why I chose Lydia. And uh, maybe the first is the most obvious is that uh, my, I have... Uh, my oldest daughter is actually named Lydia, so I thought that would be fun to actually look at the biblical character of Lydia. It's not that Giselle and I had any kind of special sort of spiritual uh, kind of meaning of that name. We just like the name. I think her middle name actually is where we put some spiritual significance, but Lydia is one of the reasons why I chose Lydia is simply because uh, to honor Lydia. So Lydia, shout out to you. The second reason is, is I believe that Lydia is one of those hidden heroes uh, we find all over in Scripture, all over in life, really, those hidden heroes in the New Testament and certainly the early church, those people who maybe weren't prominent characters, but their ripple effects of their lives had an, a profound effect. And it made me think about those people in my own life who were those sort of hidden heroes, those ones who were ordinary folk who had an extraordinary effect on my own faith journey. My guess is it, you all have maybe those people in your life too. If you think about your own faith journey, there are some of those hidden heroes, those people who are just ordinary people, people that had an impact on you. I think about uh, people like uh, Millie Meyer, who was the first one really to teach me about the Bible. In fact, at one point, she uh, encouraged us all to memorize the books of the Bible in order. I knew all 66 books in order. I, I'm not sure I could do that today, but uh, she did. She taught us the Bible, and she taught us how to memorize and even think about uh, memorizing some Scripture. And then I think of uh, Daryl Van Stienis. Oh, God bless this guy, uh, his, his soul, I mean, who for the joy before him endured the cross. That was uh, sitting with a group of junior high boys on a Wednesday night trying to teach us about the Heidelberg Catechism. I'm like, wow, I do not remember a single thing that he taught us. Uh, that is the honest truth. But here's what I remember. He showed up. Every week, he showed up. And I do remember his passion. I mean, he wanted us, these ornery 6th, 7th, and 8th graders, to know the Jesus that he knew. And he would often come straight from the farm. I mean, he still had his chores, clothes on. I mean, he'd come and he'd sit with us and he'd try and just tell us a little bit about this Jesus. And so he made an impact on me. And then I think about a person by the name of Judy Marvel who sat with a group of high school seniors. 
and just over and over and over again asks us, what are you going to do? How are you going to live out your faith? How are you going to express this thing? You know, you've been given all these gifts, and, and I know that God has a plan for you. How are you going to live out your faith? And so she challenged me over and over again, and she made an indelible impact on my life. I think Lydia is one of those sort of ordinary people who had an extraordinary effect. So I want us to turn to Acts chapter 16, and we're going to read her story. And so if you want to turn there, we find it here. Let me just give you a little background so you can understand the context of what we're reading. Actually, Paul and his friend Silas are actually on a a missionary journey, their second journey, Paul's second journey, to go tell people about this risen king, this Jesus, this Messiah. And he's coming from uh, this Jewish council where the apostles met and the elders met, and they decided that Gentiles could come to salvation in Jesus and receive the Spirit of God without being circumcised. It was a huge deal. And so he brought that decision. He decided, I'm going to go take that to the churches that he started. And he went out and he uh, began with Silas uh, to travel about and tell that story. Well, he had this desire. He really wanted to go into Asia where he could go pioneer some new ministry. But it says that the Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus kept him from going there which is really interesting. And then it tells a story of him actually having a vision, a vision from God at night, a dream, where he saw this man, who I think could have actually been a woman, but a man from Macedonia, calling to him, inviting him, begging him to come and tell his story. And so he woke and he tells this story to his friends, and they decided this must be God. And so they go to Macedonia. They get in a boat They land at Neapolis, and then they walk to a little town called Philippi, which you might recognize. There's a a book that he read or a letter that he wrote to the Philippians. And so he goes to Philippi, and there we pick up this story. And this is what it says in verse 13. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. In fact, that was his strategy oftentimes. Paul would go into a city, he would actually look for a Jewish sort of remnant or community and go to the synagogue where he could teach about Jesus. But in case, in this case, there was no synagogue in Philippi, and so sometimes the Jewish remnant, rather than having a synagogue, they would have a place of prayer where people who would believe in this one God, this, this Jewish God, would gather. And that's where he went. He found this place of prayer. And we sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. And then we learn a lot of things sort of densely packed in these next few verses. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. And then I just want to read one more verse. It's really at the end of the chapter, but it, is, um, it mentions Lydia one more time in, in verse 40. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison... They went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. 
So I'll get to the significance of that verse in just a little bit. But what made Lydia extraordinary? Well, you could just unpack these verses and realize that there's a lot we learn. And she's got quite an incredible resume of really who she is and some of the accomplishments that she, uh, she had as a, young, as a woman. First of all, we learn, I think, that she is a courageous risk taker. It says that she actually was from Thyatira. Well, Philippi is not Thyatira. In fact, Thyatira is across the sea in what would be modern-day Turkey. So she grew up in Turkey in this city called Thyatira, and she had somehow found her way to Macedonia, northern Greece, in this town called Philippi. So I don't care who you are in this day and age or that day and age to cross the sea, to leave your homeland, and to enter into a new place uh, to take this risk to, to start a new endeavor in any kind of way would have been a huge risk. So here you have this immigrant woman who is now at Philippi, and she is listening to Paul speak about this na- man named Jesus. So she is a courageous risk taker. She also is, at least what we know or what we think, is an accomplished businesswoman. It says that she was a dealer in purple. Well, Thyatira, Thyatira in the day was actually known for its business guilds, and in particular, its guilds around uh, dye making and cloth making. And so she must have been connected to a manufacturer of cloth, and particularly a manufacturer of purple cloth, which in those days was a very sought-after kind of color. It was reserved for for the the wealthy, even the ruling class. And so my guess is that she was a a woman of means, a woman who was accomplished in business, and one who was an entrepreneur and a risk taker. We also learn that she's actually the head of her household. Once she comes to faith, she convinced many in her household to also be baptized, and it says that she led her household. We also know that she was really the first recorded Christian convert on the continent of Europe. That is a really big deal. I mean, think about that. Paul was lured in by this vision to go, and she, he meets this woman named Lydia, and she becomes his first convert on the soil of Europe. Now, you think about that, the implications of that are huge because that really lit a match of a movement of God. By the third century, uh, Christianity had been the most, become the most predominant religion in all of the Roman Empire, which set the stage for Europe becoming the first continent on earth to be the most pro- predominant Christian continent. She was that beginning point of the movement of God. And then we also know from that last verse is that she led this house church, this place where, where people came. And she also invited Paul and his team to come stay with her. So she was this hospitality queen, this church leader and host. And we also know, or we think, as we read the book of Philippians, she was actually an important partner and a supporter of Paul and his mission. All of these things, which is incredible. Now here's the deal. In some ways, you could say, wow, this is an incredible resume. No wonder she's an extraordinary person. But here, I don't think that she actually set out to do that. She was just one who is simply listening and responding. 
It's a little bit like my, my friends and those people in my life who simply said, yes, I want to, to take this next step and do that. And so I want to look not just at her resume, but some of the characteristics and the traits that I think Lydia uh, make Lydia this extraordinary person. And one of those first characteristics or traits that we learn about her, is, as I've been thinking about her story, is this. And I, and I think the timing of all of this is, is actually incredible. But she was simply a humble learner. If you go back to Acts chapter 16 and just look at those, those few verses, it says there, Paul sat down and began to speak, and it says one of those listening was this woman from the city of Thyatira. And I just kind of highlight that word listening. In fact, if you were in your Bible, I'd say, why don't you just circle that word because it's a powerful word. She listened. In fact, the word literally means she kept listening. She was curious. She was a learner. In fact, what we learn about her is that she was truly what many would call a spiritual seeker. Or in the educational world, she might be one of those, those ones with a growth mindset. She was curious. She was a learner. She wanted to know. She wanted to learn. And so she sat like this, open-handed, curious, wanting to listen and learn. And she kept listening, it says. Now, that, that's an amazing thing. And you, you begin to think about her history. Just to know a little bit about Thyatira, we, we read more about it in Revelation chapter 2, where the church there really struggled. And the letter that's written by Jesus to the church is that, hey, friends, you've compromised. You've compromised and given in to false teaching. In fact, Thyatira was a hotbed for all of these different religious expressions and different gods and different idols. And yet in the midst of that, it says, Lydia became a worshiper of God. She somehow rose above that and found and sought out this one true God, this one who was, was adored by this Jewish people, and so she became like a Jewish convert. That was a term for her. She was a listener and a learner. I thought about that. You know what? In our world today, as I've been watching the events and as as Jeff reminded us, maybe that's our first deal, is that we need to be listeners and learners and curious. I know I certainly do. I need to be a listener. I don't understand all that's happening right now. But here's one, I think, who had this habit of being curious first and making time and space for God and maybe for others. And then it says... And God opened up her heart. So here she is, ready to receive a curious learner. And then God initiated something, opening up her heart, and her life became transformed. She came to believe and accept the message that Jesus, that Jesus was the king, that Paul had, had talked to her about. It's like this combination of, of human sort of receptivity, and divine initiative. It's a picture of what happens to us when we make space, not only for God, but for others. We learn something. 
We learn about them. We learn about what might make them uh, tick, and we have an impact. Can we be that kind of people? A humble learner. Lydia was this humble, humble learner. The other thing I think that she became is, is simply this. This idea that she responded to the opportunities before her. You know, we read in there that, that it says the Lord opened up her heart to respond. And then, so she says yes to Jesus. Then she says yes to being baptized. And she led her whole household to faith. Then she says yes to hosting Paul and his crew. And then she says yes to using her influence and affluence to supporting his mission. To saying, yes, you can use my home as a base, as a place to stay and work. And later on we see that it becomes this home of, of a fledgling church in Philippi. You know, I'm reminding of my own life of Millie and, and Daryl and Judy again. And, and thinking from this standpoint of, of a, being a pastor and saying, you know what, I have been in that place now in my life where I have invited, I have uh, pled, I have encouraged, I have I've asked for people to, to step into some sort of role and take that next step of faith and say, you know what, you can do this, you can be a part of this, you can serve here in this place. And I have yet to meet one person who the first time I asked ever felt qualified to do so. They just simply trusted me and took a step of faith. My guess is that that's exactly what Millie and Daryl and Judy did. I think that's exactly what Lydia did. She saw the opportunity and she simply said, I, I, I'm not qualified for this, but if you consider me a believer in the Lord, if, if you would trust me, uh, I want to host you. And maybe in that moment that Paul said, hey, what if you hosted a new church here? What if you tried leading this, this fledgling movement of God? And she said, yes. You know, as I look back on my own life journey and I think about those people, not just Millie and Daryl and, and Judy, but others, when I have taken a step forward in my faith, it's usually because someone believed in me, because someone invited me to take that next step. And I think that's a characteristic that we can learn from Lydia. First of all, that she was a humble learner, a listener. That's something we all can do. We can all learn to listen. We can all learn to make time and space, not just for other people, but for God himself. And he'll come and be with us, but certainly in our day and age, to be a humble listener and learner for others. And then to be one who is quick to respond and say, you know what, how can I use my gifts how can I use my affluence? How can I use my resources for the good and the sake of others to love God and love other people? You know, as we went throughout this week, I was just uh, thinking about um, some things and just amazing ways in which I felt like the Lord was using Lydia's story to speak to my own life.
And so as we kind of close our time together, I want to think about just a couple of things, maybe some reminders from uh, Lydia's story. And one of those is this. I know that this has been an incredibly challenging time for most of us. I mean, we've been through this medical pandemic. We're going through an economic crisis of, of, of magnitudes that we've, many of us have never lived through. We're, we're dealing with this now cultural pandemic, if you will. I don't know if there's ever been a time when many of us have felt more out of control, where anxiety and fear maybe have kind of been a part of our lives in in deep ways. And yet in these uncertain times, Lydia's story reminds me of some things that I want us to remember. And the first is this, that we remember the power of the gospel. Think about the story. Think about the main characters in Lydia's story. You've got Paul. Paul who was full of hate and anger. And he would turn that hate and anger when he encountered the Lord Jesus, it turned it and flipped it into something beautiful, into love, into peace. He was the number one prosecutor or persecutor of the church. And now he's the number one proclaimer of the good news of the kingdom, that Jesus is king and he's here and he's come. The power of the gospel has the the ability to change, to change lives, to change hearts and minds. And you think about Lydia's story and how over time as she processed and she sought to understand this one true God, how God brought her Paul in this message about Jesus and she responded. It changed her life. It changed the trajectory of both their lives. You know, in today's world, maybe that's where it needs to begin with us. We need to be reminded of the power of the gospel and maybe be able to say with Paul, I am not ashamed of the power of the gospel. For it is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. Not only does the gospel have the power to transform people and transform lives, your life, my life, the people we encounter, their life too. It transforms individuals, but it also does something more. It has the power not only to transform, but to unite. I was reminded again of that this week. I meet with a group of guys every Wednesday night. It's actually a group that Mark Kuyper has initiated and met with for years, and uh, we've been meeting online together every week uh, in And over the course of these last several weeks, we've got to meet a a new friend. His name is Cy. And Cy reminded me of the power of the gospel and its ability to unite people who are different from each other. Cy actually was a refugee. He immigrated when he was a little boy. And uh, he's from the country of Laos. And in 1980, he gave his life to Jesus. So he's lived most of his adult life and all of it really of his life here but uh, he still is uh, uh, Laotian. And when this pandemic uh, struck, he reminded us of the challenge of that. He was called out and told to go back home. And we all grieved for him. And we were reminded of that again this, this week. 
And someone reminded him of that story. And you know what he did? He did something amazing in the midst of our, our meeting together. He flipped it and he said, you know what, I want to tell you, I've been a friend of Rick's now for a little over a year. Rick is part of the group. And when I first met Rick, my wife told me, he said, you stick with that one. He's a good one. And you know what? He said, I found that he was a fellow believer. And it's as if I've known him maybe just for a few months, about a year, but I feel like I've known him all of my life. You see, that's the power of the gospel. It's like he said, you know, we're not the same, but we are brothers. We don't share the same blood in our, in our bodies, but we share the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross. That's the power of the gospel, the power to unite. In fact, Jesus' last prayer before he was arrested and went to the cross was simply to pray that his people would be one as he and the Father were one, that they would be unified, that the whole world may know who he is. And then you think about the first act of the Holy Spirit. The first act of the Holy Spirit was with these little fires dancing on the disciples' heads. They went out and proclaimed in all of the the languages of the day the good news of the gospel. And there was birthed a new humanity, a new community of faith from every tribe and every tongue. And then you think about the image that's, that's found in Revelation where all of God's people are gathered before the throne. And there's people from every tribe and every tongue and they're standing there worthy. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. That's the power of the gospel. That's the power that we have access to that can change us, that can change others and help unite us. And maybe it's the church that can demonstrate something different to the rest of the world because it's something we have to work at even though God has given us this amazing gift. The other reminder I want to give you is simply this is that maybe as a church and as a person, we need to seize the opportunities that are before us. That we can act in faith and trust God with the results. We can be messengers of peace and not fear. We can be agents of reconciliation and not division. We can look for ways to leverage our influence by first being listeners and learners to be bridge builders and ambassadors of grace. Maybe what we need to do first and foremost is to love across our differences within the body of Christ to show that we share the same blood and that blood is shed on the cross. Now I think about Lydia She was this accomplished businesswoman. She was not afraid to leverage her influence wherever she was. Maybe there are new ways we can take our Sunday faith into our Monday work. 
Maybe there's someone we need to have a conversation with. Maybe there's some way we can leverage our influence to help someone or another organization or to be using our gifts for the glory of God and his kingdom. Maybe we simply need to continue to look for creative ways to love our neighbor and see them as the image bearers of God no matter who they are or where they're from or their color of their skin. For there is one humanity. I love Lydia's story. And I love the vision that she gives for us. It's the vision that Kurt talked about in his prayer prayer that Jesus taught us, may your vision on earth be as it is, on earth as it is in heaven. May that vision in heaven become the reality here on earth. That's my hope for you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your grace to us. Lord, thank you for Uh, Lydia's story and for the ways in which uh, you used her and for the ways in which she responded to you. Her faithfulness, her courage, her willingness, her initiative. Lord, may that inspire us too to move from zero to one, to simply get out of our chair, just just to to react, Lord, to, to where you might be nudging and leading. May you help us as a church, Lord, to seize opportunities to listen, to be ambassadors of grace. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.